Hello, everyone. First of all, I'd love to thank you for tuning in to the Integrative Thoughts podcast. I am your host, Matt Kaufman. And through this platform, I plan on seeking out guests that interest me, that I am curious about, and overall just living a more meaningful, purposeful life in hopes that you as listeners and I myself can grasp onto a little bit of their knowledge and integrate that into our daily lives. Are you having trouble losing weight? Do you get extreme food cravings, especially at night? What about the inability to lose weight even when you cut calories and do a lot of exercise? I know I fell into this category for pretty much most of my life. It's actually probably not even your fault. You most likely have what's called leptin resistance. Leptin is actually a hormone made by the fat cells that regulates food intake and energy expenditure by communicating with the brain. The more fat you have, the more negative leptin messages are actually being sent to your brain. This creates what's called leptin resistance and is going to sabotage all dieting efforts and causes food cravings even when you have enough fat stored. Introducing Zenith, this is an all-new, completely natural formula that gently decreases leptin levels to restore accurate communication between fat cells in the brain. Zenith contains zero harmful stimulants, it's made of all-natural polysaccharides and acetylated fatty acids, very safe for long-term weight loss plans, and it is made in the USA. In an eight-week, university-conducted, double-blind, placebo-controlled study, participants lost 21.3 pounds of fat, lost almost four inches off their waistline, and reduced serum leptin levels by 43%. So if you or someone you know, someone you really love is struggling with weight loss, head down to the show notes. I'll have a link there and a few videos where you can learn more information about Zenith. So listen, I've been experimenting with different types of minerals, especially magnesium, for the past five to six years. But I could never really find a product that I could feel the benefits that magnesium claimed to give. Magnesium is one of the most important minerals for all of human health. It participates in over 600 different biochemical reactions in the body, yet over 80% of the population is deficient. Magnesium deficiency can increase risk for all disease and greatly decrease optimal performance. That's why I like Bioptimizers. They use all seven forms of magnesium in a highly bioavailable form in their product Magnesium Breakthrough. Magnesium helps with stress, anxiety, sleep, immune function, detoxification, and so much more. If you want to try out this product, head over to Bioptimizers and use code INTEGRATIVETHOUGHTS10 to receive a 10% discount on their amazing product Mag Breakthrough. Today's guest is David Milburn. He is the CTO over at a company called Hypoallergenic Air. And this is my third installment of my three-part mold series. Now, David has spent over 10 years solving some of the world's worst air quality issues, different clients ranging from aerospace manufacturing to hospitals and even some really state-of-the-art biohacking facilities. And what I like about hypoallergenic air is they've created technology to me that's playing offense instead of defense. Now, let me tell you what I mean by that. They have different devices that you can either hook to your HVAC system, which is the most effective, or you can plug into your outlets around your house. And what those do is they take a water molecule and split it into positive and negative ions. This is a technology called polar ionization. And this is what David believes mimics nature. 
Now, those positive and negative ions will go through your environment and help sanitize all different bacterias, viruses, and molds. It will clump those together and make those easier to be sucked up by any air purifier you have or hypoallergenic air really likes these carbon block furnace filters that they make on their website as well. So it's basically a, a furnace filter with a nice MERV rating, and then it has a carbon attached to it as well. So it capture more of the debris, virus, mold, bacteria that's being sucked up within your furnace filter. So this is a different approach. I have just installed a lot of this stuff around my environment. I'm really digging it. So hope you guys really enjoy this show with David from Hypoallergenic Air. All right, David, welcome to the show. How's it going? Good to be here, man. Happy to have these conversations. Absolutely, man. I um, This is going to be a cool little like series that I kind of brainstormed up last month. I, I uh, recorded all three of them this week. Um, which I normally wouldn't do that many in one week, but it's kind of cool because it's like all about like air quality and mold. So I had nice. Andrew Melrose on. He did the he's Mold Authority Live, and then uh, we I did Jason Earl from Got Mold, who has a really cool oh, nice. mold test that I know you that yeah. you recommend. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. now I'm doing you. And what's cool about it is like you guys all kind of have different approaches, right? Mm-hmm. And what I want to like do is like I'm not trying to like think that one's better than the other. I'm just trying to like put the information out there and then let Absolutely. it resonate with people um, about like, you know, what feels good to you and then experiment and try one of these devices or because, you know, like Andrew, he likes different tests for different things. And then Jason, yeah. he doesn't think that we should really kill mold at all. Like at, with a, like a, you know, like with a device like yours and he thinks it all needs to be taken out and he hates the Ermi test. And then you're kind of more from like, I'd rather attack and have like some offense and kill everything. So everyone's a little bit unique in their approach, but all mm-hmm. trying to ultimately get to the same result. So I think it's actually Absolutely. good for people to have difference of opinions in that way. And then they can kind of see what resonates with them throughout the information, then dive into more of your information or Jason's or Andrew's and then go from there. So I think it's going to be cool little like series that I put together. Right. And like with a lot of things, I think we just all benefit from Frank discussion and Mm -hmm. exploration because this is still a relatively new field of how do we make our indoor environments safer especially as we make them more energy efficient. So how do we overcome those challenges? Yeah, I like that. And, you know, I always try to tell people like, you know, not we're all human. No one has like the perfect answers Mm -hmm. to health or indoor air quality or water. We're all just like getting incrementally better at it over the years, but no one's really got the hundred percent answers, but hopefully one day we will. And I think these conversations are important to have especially mm-hmm. if, you know, a device like yours could really help somebody who's um, dealing with mold currently and can't get out of mm-hmm. there or something like that. Totally. So mm-hmm. I think it's pretty cool but um, to have these conversations. But I want to right. know a little bit before we get into the technology, kind of like your background and what got you obsessed with like indoor air quality. Yeah, I mean, like our background as a company is more on the commercial side. So we saw the potential for hospitals, for food production, for transportation. Um, and so we were looking at big scale applications. Um, I personally have had, you know, I was just sharing a story yesterday, actually, where when I was in college, I was doing work over in Africa. And every time I went into the bedroom, maybe not every time, but close to, um, I was sneezing so much 
that I would start to bleed. And I was a relatively educated person. I was in college doing my thing. I did not once connect the dots on it being an air quality problem. I didn't, I never thought it was mold and I just kind of suffered through it for the, for a few months. And so looking back on that, I think a lot of people are in that boat where we haven't connected our environment with how we're feeling or some of the experiences we're having. And so, you know, the education of how these things we can't see can impact us is really important to us. And then for us to find ways to make the indoor environment more naturally like the outside environment, that's kind of the goal of what we're, we're looking at. But I mean, I talk to people every day, essentially, that have severe issues with their indoor environment. So my, my view is a little skewed, but uh, for a lot of us, it's air quality is going to be one piece of the puzzle. For some people, it's going to be a very large piece. Yeah, absolutely. So what kind of work were you doing over in Africa? I want to know. Yeah, I mean, uh, I was basically just idealistic and I wanted to bring technology to help people. And that's still, I guess, what I'm trying to do. Uh, but it basically integrating, you know, new building construction methods, you know, with places like India or Africa, you know, where multifamily structures are not designed to withstand, you know, natural disasters or to be energy efficient. Like we we're talking about that. But you know, basically I was into construction at the time and trying to figure out how to make buildings safer. And, uh, yeah, so that's what I was doing over there. Uh, but it was, yeah, first time, actually, that, that specific one was my first time overseas, really, to Africa. And then I went back right. quite a few times. Yeah. So you said you were in college. Was that, like, what you were studying? Was this form of, like, some kind of technology or energy? What were you kind studying of. in college that made you go over there? Yeah, I was, I, was, uh, <laughs> I haven't been asked this for a long time, but I was uh, in the uh, public policy planning and development school studying how cities were made. And I had a minor in construction management and um, with an emphasis on basically emerging markets, you know, frontier markets where, you know, there's not a lot of access to resources and technologies and how could we use technologies to make people's lives better. So um, it's a it was kind of a roundabout way. My my, my school was not teaching me it. Let's put it that way. But um, that's what I was trying to use my school to do. Interesting. So you mentioned kind of like sneezing and not putting it together. So when did you shift kind of all of your direction over to like uh, indoor air quality and formulating a technology around that? Yeah. So, I mean, for years after that, I was working in investing in technologies. So from the investment side, you know, looking at the, the how technologies could be applied, launched in the market. And we invested in a company um, that was into air purification and it was one of many. And it was kind of through that experience that I started connecting the dots on what I had experienced. Um, and then I got more and more involved with specifically air quality because we saw, wow, look at all the impacts that this could have. And we kind of ran down a bunch of rabbit trails of all these different areas that this was needed. And for a long time, we were trying to convince people that air quality was a thing. So I was, you know, on the phone with hospitals, like, you know, <laughs> you know, on the phone with casinos, working with, you know, aerospace companies. And we had all these big clients, but, you know, we was trying to convince corporations to invest in something that would benefit their customers and their staff. And that was like a hard thing to do. But basically, I got involved through, you know, just trying to solve problems for these clients and then connecting the dots on my own in my own life. And then uh, over the years, talking to like literally thousands of people that suffer and try to figure out, okay, how can we actually solve this? Like, let's not just reinvent 
the same thing over and over again. Let's not just do the same old, you know, plugins. Let's like step back and look at how would we actually solve this issue for this specific person. And so I've, I've had a lot of those conversations over the years, you know, people with the opposite of ideal scenarios, the opposite of, of structures designed for air quality. Um, and not necessarily with unlimited resources. Some of them have very little. And so you, how do we help them in the midst of where they're at? And so that, I think, over the years, it grew my heart for it. And then the, probably the last three, four years, it's been one of my primary focuses. Awesome. I have just curious because I remember listening to um, a few podcasts with the guy who created the pure maintenance, kind of like this new fogging for mold. I'm not sure. I think we talked about it on the phone when we were chatting that one day, but he had the same kind of idea where he thought that this was going to revolutionize like hospitals. That's like what he did it. He built the technology for. And when he was uh, actually like pitching it to the hospitals, they actually didn't really seem to be interested because honestly, it'd be almost like curing people. So then the hospital will have less people to treat. Did you kind of find any of that pushback when you were trying to help them out with like clearing out some of the viruses and bacteria and things like that that would be in the hospital setting? Yeah, basically what we ran into was a lot of bureaucracy, a lot of people kind of covering their own butts, you know, not really trying to, to move things forward and very slow to innovate. And so I remember one call in particular where a hospital had reached out to a partner of ours and they had a specific C. diff infection problem. They, they had a lot of people getting infected with this, this, um, you know, infection at their hospital from their hospital. And so they reached out to us. And so we got on the phone with them and we're like, yep, this, this does this, you know, constant mitigation, constant sanitization and the head of infection control, I don't remember exactly her title, literally said on the phone to like eight people, uh, we're not interested in reducing our hospital acquired infection rates. So the HAI rate, we're not interested in reducing it. And we're like, okay, um, you, you reach out to us. What do we do? Where do we go from here? And um, <laughs> they, they ended up, uh, what they'd done is they bought these, um, you know, R2D2 UV robots. And each of these robots cost something like $80,000. And required two full-time employees to wheel them around. And the hospital mentality, and this is basically the opposite of ours, so it's it's pretty good lead-in. I haven't talked about this for a while, but the hospital mentality is sterilization. So they're looking for like a single point of sterilization. Our mentality was let's naturally sanitize, reduce concentrations all the time in a way that's healthy for occupied spaces. So for them, they want to have someone with an infection that they treat for a week. And maybe once a day, they clean what they call the high touch areas. So they manually clean like door handles and stuff like that, like manually, physically. And then at the end of the week, the person, you know, leaves the hospital, gets transferred. They bring in the UV robot and they zap the room. And in that moment of zapping, it's very clean. Obviously with the UV, you have to have direct line of sight. So, you know, we can debate on that. But even if it was perfectly sanitized, well, the entire week while the person was sick there, they're being exposed, the doctor's being exposed, the nurses are being exposed, the door's open, and basically all the hospital's doing is just a ton of air exchanges. So it's something like 30, 40 an hour, just air exchanges, air exchanges. But there's no mitigation. So surfaces, air, anything in the room while the people are there, there's basically nothing. But yeah, their mentality was, well, let's have a six log reduction, like 10.99% reduction in that single moment after the, the patient leaves, and we'll call that good. And I mean, it's just 
didn't align with what we thought. And so, I mean, we, we still work with medical facilities, but we don't try to go out and convince anybody at this point. Um, if a medical facility is run by someone that's being proactive and that they are looking for solutions, we're there, you know, we'll give you options. You can install, you know, our various technologies and products to, to get some mitigation, but we're not actually out going to convince people anymore. Um, so we made that shift a yeah. couple of years ago. There's a lot of uh, corporate money involved when you're mm-hmm. when you're working with those type of places and big yeah. pharma. So you never know right. which hospitals got integrity. Have yeah. with the hospitals that you've worked with, have you gotten gotten like calls back and noticed that like you know a lot less infections or a lot less but, like doctors and nurses being sick, things like that? That was the other problem that we ran into is all these big commercial clients. First of all, they didn't want to admit they had a problem to begin with, so it was really weird talking to them. You know, we go to like a hotel that has mold issues and they're like, we don't have mold issues, but <laughs> could you tell us about how this helps with mold? Um, and so no one would tell us really. It's like for uh, the record, I mean, like on the down, not a mold like, issue. yeah, they'd be like, yeah, you know, <laughs> telling us what's happening, but we couldn't ever really share, you know, X hospital had a reduction of this. They didn't want to say that they even had that to begin with. So like getting to your point, uh, there was a lot of other factors that we just didn't want to deal with anymore. We did that for like 10 years. Um, and so, you know, with a, with a lot of these commercial clients, they didn't admit to begin with. And like you said, there's other incentives involved, but, um, <laughs> but just aside from that, just the people just didn't want to admit that they had a problem. And so it was harder for us to communicate to the next client. You know, this, these are, this is what happened. You know, we obviously had lots of studies that we conducted or we worked with specific people to do, but just from the, like the clients themselves, they wouldn't talk, talk to us hardly at all. Yeah. yeah. Plus on the back end, honestly, it would open the door for a lot of lawsuits. As yeah. Like negligence oh, goes. Yep. And mm-hmm. it's, they're just human too, just trying to run a business. Mm-hmm. And if they get, a, yep. you know, a class action lawsuit, they could literally crumble. So like right. the mm-hmm. fact that they're being proactive and trying to be better moving forward is better than, than like mm-hmm. everybody who's ever been sick at this hospital. Let's do a lawsuit. Like right. I get it, man. It's like you, you don't want to crumble your whole business, but you're trying to look for better solutions moving yeah. forward. At least if you're reaching out to a company like yourself. Exactly. But a lot of times it was, like an individual that truly cared they're reaching out to us to solve a problem and then we'd get really far and i mean we had lots of clients but like don't get me wrong but like it was just it was like a six-month process and then a lot of times at the end you just have like um you know like an accountant person a cfo type person or you know like a lawyer and they're like oh we can't do this (laughs) or or in the case of um like we worked with a lot of the biggest name hotels in the world and we still work with hotels what they would often do is they would install our technology in part of the hotel and basically make one wing or one floor really good air quality, but then they wouldn't advertise it because they didn't want it to seem like the rest of the hotel was dirty. And they basically just kept it for problem guests. And so one of our favorite travel tips is just to ask the hotel if they have any options because sometimes they have rooms that they use different cleaning products, different bedding materials. Um, maybe they have HEPA in the room. Maybe they have our technology installed, but they oftentimes don't even tell people it's an option because it gives the wrong kind of branding impression, but they didn't want to spend the money to do it for all of the rooms. So they just have a few rooms where they do it for. And so, yeah, we work with big name clients, but they only do it for part of the hotel and then they wouldn't tell people about it. Like our idea was, Hey, hotels, this is a, this is a good angle to reach people that care about this. Make your whole hotel this. It's not that expensive, but they just, it's a hard, hard thing to get across in the bureaucracy. Yeah. 
Yeah, I would think that um, with the hotel, like having a lot less odors and just naturally smelling better instead of smelling like, you know, bleach and Clorox, just like having that good natural smell to it. Even if people weren't like really onto like getting deep in the weeds like we're about to do today, mm-hmm. you would think naturally they would be like, yeah, that hotel was clean. Like I'm going to go exactly. back. Like it felt clean yeah. in there. I could breathe good in there. And mm-hmm. you wouldn't – and then you could market it you know, as like oh, yeah. we have this technology. We exactly. have this really clean air. You would think it would be like a, a marketing way to like get more clients, not exactly. less. And we, we – I mean we had all the stats on how much people care about it and travelers and all this kind of stuff and it just – it was hard. And, you know, with our technology, and we can get into the HVAC if we want, but on these big hotels or casinos, they bring in a lot of outside air. It's by, required by law. And they've got these big air handlers on top of the building, and they spend a lot of money cleaning them, maintaining them, a lot on energy. Um, with our technologies, you can actually sanitize cooling coils. So you can help prevent biofilm buildup, or in the case of a home, you know, you're trying to reduce mold. But for a large building, it actually results in energy savings because the more those coils get fouled, the more energy it takes to cool the air and the more makeup air they need. And so part of what our approach was is, you know, here's all the benefits that you get for air quality, but we know you're going to do it to save money. So do it to save money. And one of our products, all it does is keep commercial ice machines from needing as much maintenance. And so they buy it purely to save money on maintenance. You know, these ice machines get so clogged with green slime biofilm that they don't function after like two, three months. And so any restaurant that's baking bread, they have a lot of yeast in the air. And a lot of times they'll carry the ice from the kitchen to the ice machine. Those machines cost a lot of money to maintain because they get fouled so quickly. The same is true in a hospital too. Um, but with our technology, you can save money on cleaning. And so that's why they would buy it. So to us, we're like, <laughs> you probably don't want ice coming out of that machine. Um, look at all your clients. They're, they're going to care about this. I mean, one study a while ago, it wasn't super sophisticated, but it found that toilet water in 10 restaurants was cleaner than the ice. Wow. But they were only buying the product just to save money. Um, yeah, I've worked in plenty of restaurants, different gigs and fine dining uh, mm-hmm. over the years. That was how I always kind of made money and maintained my freedom. Mm-hmm. And uh, because they're very flexible with like, you know, you can leave for two or three weeks at a time. Like mm-hmm. they don't really care. So I always kind of right. loved my restaurant gigs. And that is a common thing is that the ice machine goes out and then they have mm-hmm. to have somebody yep. come in. And I don't know exactly what the maintenance guy does, but it was very common in certain places that we would be getting like bags mm-hmm. of ice from like the gas station yeah. or wherever mm-hmm. they would pick them up from. To, to get us through the night. Right. Yeah, it's very common. So, I mean, if we want to get into mold, I mean, what you what you think about with an ice machine, it's oftentimes a dark environment, a damp environment, continuously damp. And then if you have biologicals in the kitchen, in the air, where you're loading the ice or where the ice machine is made, that's going to be a good home for the mold to grow. And so you can't necessarily change that environment. You can't necessarily, you know, dehumidify it or anything like that. You have to mitigate it. So uh, whether you do that with physical cleaning or in our case, we, we prefer like natural active mitigation, you know, what do you do? Um, so otherwise there's this cycle of, okay, it's clean here. It's getting dirtier, 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 dirtier. And now it no longer functions. It's so dirty. And then let's clean it again. <laughs> then you're back to clean. And then it gets dirty again. We do, do that a lot with our homes too, where with something like mold, you know, if, if you have 
a place where mold wants to grow, you're either going to have to physically clean it, physically remediate, or, you know, we, we suggest natural mitigation. Yeah, it would make sense, like, even, like, these restaurants, you know, or hotels, because they have restaurants within them that you would, like, especially because, like, people are always like, oh, I, they, people sue restaurants. I actually had an ex-girlfriend who sued a place for getting mm-hmm. sick from some bacteria. Like, it was, like, pinpointed back to yeah. whatever food was contaminated or whatever right at the place. I think she got, like, 20 or 30 grand. That was a long yeah. time ago, so I can't remember. But um, So you would think maybe that would – a technology like this would help mitigate a lot of like bacteria. I mean, you're just mm-hmm. playing with raw food in the kitchen all day and then the ice. Yeah. And I mean, there's just a lot going on. Um, they're not yep. worried about the humidity, especially down here in Florida. You would think of technology like this for how cheap it is for a company would just be all over it. Yeah. But just that proactive mentality is hard in a lot of businesses. I mean, we gave them all the studies on how the, the size of the fines from the, um, what is that? Uh, the food health department, you know, whatever it is, the people that give like the letter A or B. I mean, the, the mm-hmm. size of the fines for these, for the ice machines is significant. But to try to get them to be proactive, it's tough. I mean, we have we have studies on things like salmonella, you know, E. coli. Um, we've done yeah, studies. Yeah, salmonella in, that my ex got mm-hmm. from yep. the restaurant. Yep. And like we have studies um, done by grocery stores, the meat carving stations. But it's just so hard to get through all that bureaucracy. So, yeah, with any more, I mean, with someone that's, you know, like for like a dental clinic or something, you might have a one dentist in charge or a couple partners. And a lot of times they care about their clients and they care about themselves. And they'll be proactive. You know, it might be a large chain even. They might have 20 offices. They might have, you know, it might be big. You know, we love working with people like that because it's like they're they're seeing the benefits and then all the other justifications are there. But yeah, when we were when we were approaching you know grocery stores, restaurants, you know, there's the business side of things. You know, it just seems to make sense. But to try to get them to do it is hard. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, a lot of these places are just trying to make it half the time with inflation and everything. I think some of these some, small yeah. businesses are, but some of these big corporations could really easily install something like yours especially because there's not any like upkeep it's cheaper than doing a lot of hepa like i bet a lot of these places are doing hepa which is great which is fine but they could also just like be utilizing something like yours that doesn't like require a lot of upkeep and maintenance like a set it and forget it type of device and for businesses you know i I hope someone you know listening cares about all this but you know for (laughs) business we actually gave we, we've given rental programs like zero like percent financing to try to overcome <laughs> some of those issues because we're like we know you need this like your clients need this it's proven its work we'll let you do it you know um but uh, yeah some of those corporations they're just so hard to work with um, even if you finance it for them um it's crazy so. that you would even have to finance or it. it's not that expensive like, i just <laughs> bought the hvac device for my i mean i got it on like the deal uh, and used my affiliate uh, code and everything sure. but uh-huh. It's like only 900 or something for the HVAC system one. It might be a little bit more for a commercial building. I didn't really look into that. But for like a home thing, you know, it's as much as my molecule, my standalone molecule was more than your HVAC device. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so, yeah, I mean, for like a multifamily apartment manager to save money, to have better air quality, you know, if we finance it over like three years, it, it seems like it would make sense, right? <laughs> but, but if the person doesn't believe in air quality, and one of the things I think that might be relevant maybe to some of your listeners here is that 
the norm for us is that the individual is experiencing their air differently than the rest of the people. And a lot of times you could have a landlord or a spouse that thinks you're crazy because they're fine. You know, the, your next door neighbor who's, you know, smoking all the time is fine, but you're somehow suffering from the smoke from him, but he's fine. And so like the landlord's like, you're just a crazy person. So, I mean, it's, it's very common to us that the individuals are experiencing things so differently when it comes to air quality and the innovation when it comes to affordable testing is coming along, but the cost to get some of these things proven is sometimes pretty difficult. And so yeah, it's a hard thing to, to be, you know, in that in between of, you know, you're experiencing something very negative, but it's hard to prove and other people don't believe it. So like we, we experience that in businesses where it's like, they're just, they just don't believe the clients. They don't believe that it's a thing or that it really affects you. Yeah. I, I, there's a couple different trains of thought on like what is actually happening there. And some people say it's like a sixth sense, like you're a canary in the coal mine and which is actually like a superpower because Mm -hmm. you're kind of detecting things that are going awry or going haywire earlier than others. I also think that different people have different things going on immunologically as far as like heavy metals or Mm -hmm. molds or plastics. So like they're already sensitive and then they go into an environment like that and they're even more sensitive. That's what happened to me when I moved into a moldy place, like I was wiped out like the first couple months I was starting to see a doctor and, but it took my wife quite a while. We lived in there for a little while to, before she started to really right. notice the fatigue mm-hmm. and the brain fog. It's like mm-hmm. maybe like a year and a half. Yep. So a lot longer than it took for me the first couple months I was like wrecked. Yep. Yeah. And there's, I mean, there's history there, you know, things that you've gone through before, um, you know, sensitivities for sure. And we see a lot of, um, like one thing leading to another where it's like you're dealing with mold toxicity and now you're extra sensitive to fragrances, you know, ozone, you know, other chemicals. So like the body, I think just, you know, we're, we're not the human body experts. We're, we're more in the environmental, but I mean, it seems like the body just kind of gets f- full and just no longer able to detoxify. And now it gets extra sensitive. So, I mean, our hope is not that you live in a bubble. It's just that you have a safe place to sleep, to detoxify, and then you can go out in the world. But, you know, from our experience, you know, mold outside, mold inside. The people I talk to that are hypersensitive are not reacting to mold outside. Um, so we just want the indoor environment to be more natural. And then hopefully you're not as reactive. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it is absolutely the norm that one person in the household is experiencing it very differently from the rest. Yeah, from my experience as well as I like worked through the lime and uh, detox and sauna over the years and, and now working through the heavy metals, I don't really react nearly as much from the chemical aisle or when mm-hmm. I go stay in an Airbnb or anything like that. But um, so I think there is definitely as you bring yourself into a little bit more balance and your mm-hmm. immune system is a little bit has a little yep. bit more power to it, then you can kind of fight off these yep. things for a couple nights. You know, I just stayed in Costa Rica. I'm sure I was there for two weeks. I'm sure it was mold or whatever. We were we were fine. Um, it was more so the seed oils that wrecked me than the than the mold. I think my gut was a little messed up, but you know, you have to, but if you are already compromised yeah. and then you cannot, um, detoxify because your environment's also impacting you. Cause that mold, right. that'll bring a lot of inflammation. That'll kind of like shut mm-hmm. down the liver's capacity to work with the heavy metals or anything else you already had going on, because now it's just getting attacked. You're sleeping in it. And I always say this too, 
when you get really tired because molds inside of your house, you don't mm. leave as much either. You're so because you're, I was so fatigued, then I spent yeah. more time indoors. So now I was in the mold point. even more. So it's like a vicious cycle yep. where you just get like worse and worse and worse until you get yep. out of it or you clean it up. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I've had folks kind of go in that like almost like turtle mentality where you're like getting so um, defensive that they've kind of locked themselves in a single room, sealed the vents, like basically trapped everything inside, and then just lived inside it's like no sunlight no exercise just in in a room and just trap everything in there and it's like that's, you're that's to how crazy yourself. you feel yeah. in the moment mm-hmm. though that's like the the depression like you start mm-hmm. to feel really reactive when you're in the store from perfumes or chemicals you feel almost insane to where like you cannot like even control it so i could see how it would yeah. go that far yep yep and just like as a personal story i mean my eldest son when he was maybe two or three was starting to develop some like pretty severe outdoor allergens. Um, and that was contributing to him sleeping really poorly, like a lot of respiratory issues. Um, and we went really heavy on the bedroom and kind of creating the safe place. And for the last two, three years, he hasn't been reactive at all outside. And I'm sure that's not the norm, (laughs) but you know, like, if we could create the safe environment at home, in the bed at least, give him a place to get some good sleep, you know, you know where his body's able to feel safe and hopefully detoxify. I mean, hopefully you can go outside and, you know, experience the world without being as reactive. Yeah, yeah there's just so many um, detoxification processes going on while you sleep. And if you're just breathing in mold or whatever else is in your environment, VOCs, you know, sometimes it's a brand new build that wrecks people because of all the VOCs. Mm -hmm. You're just going to have a tough time and it's just going to build up. And then I believe what happens is once that kind of bucket overflows, you don't get rid of anything. You just keep Mm -hmm. breathing because your liver is just so backed up and the bile's not flowing to where you're just like, it just builds and builds and builds. And then you just, you're just crushed. No coffee enema, no supplements ever going to really get you out of that until you Mm -hmm. fix the environment. Makes sense. Yeah. I mean, you're going to filter the environment some way, whether it's your own body (laughs) or something (laughs) else. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a really good point. I like to show people like on my Instagram, like my furnace filter, just like just your normal furnace filter, even if you're not going to go buy an air doctor or something mm-hmm. like yours, the difference in it in one month, like I change mm-hmm. it every month. And one is like, you know, cause I get like a Merv 12 or 13, 11, whatever mm-hmm. I get. And there's so much like dust and particles in there. Just after one month, I'm like, try to preach to people, at least just get a good Mm -hmm. furnace filter. And I know you have some pretty cool ones that we'll dive into in a bit, but but just changing your furnace filter is like a game changer for a lot of people. And they don't realize it. They get the little cheap ones from Home Depot that are like a dollar, a couple dollars and the, it doesn't really catch anything. And then they change it like twice a year. Like that is ludicrous to me. Yeah, literally spider webs would be more effective than that. <laughs> spider webs are incredible, actually, at uh, particulate removal. But um, yeah, I've talked personally to biohackers that have spent five, six figures on equipment and biohacking that hadn't changed their filter in years in their furnace. 
It's just sometimes it's just no one ever taught you this. Like you never you never thought about it. You moved into your home or rented it. No one ever told you you're supposed to do this thing. Um, maybe you don't even know where it is. Um, so yeah, it is something that's often overlooked. You know, the vents are kind of like the magical source of heat or cooler air to a lot of people, and it's just not something you really think about a lot. But if that can be your primary air purifier, it's gonna go a lot better for you. Yeah. Yeah, it's so funny you say that because like it's funny as I like evolved into this space and I have a lot of you have like a lot of people you grew up with on your social media and you know I'm I'm making a reel where I'm using the $8,000 amp coil and I'm in front of the $16,000 biocharger at a biohacking studio and doing red light that costs thousands of dollars and they're like, man, put me up on this biohacking. I'm like, dude, clean your air and your water. Sure, yeah. <laughs> like literally. Uh, sure. Yep. You don't need a biocharger. You need to clean your air and you need to get really clean water and then we'll go from there. Yeah. A lot of times like our experience has been with like specifically the biohacking community, you know, maybe food first, then water and then like air is like a, a distant, like, you know, third. Um, I don't get it. And, you know, like we often say you breathe the equivalent of a swimming pool every day. And mm-hmm. so it's not just what you're breathing either, but it's through your skin. So, I mean, it's going to be one piece of the puzzle, but to your point with sleeping, and we know people that they were sleeping on a moldy mattress. There was mold in the carpet underneath their bed. You know, there could be mold in other sources. There could be other things going on. You might be sleeping poorly because you watch too much news. Um, So, I mean, there's there's other factors, but like air quality could be one piece of the puzzle and sometimes it's a really big one. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was Jason. He said the other day, I think we breathed 20,000 breaths every single day mm. and like you just said like a swimming pool full of air that's unreal and to think that you would like buy some ten thousand dollar gadget before you would spend a thousand dollars cleaning your air is <laughs> just it's just yeah. like madness but they get infatuated i think by these um influencers that they follow who have all these like the, the devices are very sexy and sleek now they're like almost like oh i need one of those and it's mm-hmm. like you don't like i didn't purchase a lot of these things until like over time i made sure like my air quality and my water was good first like are you eating good food mm-hmm. get to get some right vitamins and minerals in you then maybe buy mm-hmm. an ozone machine yeah. or a pmf mat or something yeah and, and there's a lot of hurdles to overcome and i'll give you an example just from yesterday some in-laws of someone were you know collaborating with multi multi-million dollar home uh, they've worked with these HVAC contractors for 20, 30 years. <clears throat> and the HVAC guys are pushing MERV, I don't know if it's MERV 1 or MERV 4, easy flows. And, you know, to get like a super premium, premium furnace filter, $15 a month for them or something like that. I mean, I don't know. Um, and the mentality with a lot of the HVAC community is maximum airflow, no resistance, any filtration that you add is only going to slow your system down. It's a problem. Um, there's some truth to it, but if you go no filtration on your HVAC, well now just normal dust is getting in on your coils and making it work harder. And it's going to be not good long-term. You can't put a brick wall on your, your HVAC and expect it to work well either. So you can't just go overboard, but there's, there's like some really deeply ingrained 
mentalities in the HVAC community that filtration, air quality is not a priority in that the HVAC system's only goal is temperature change. And any type of filtration or other modification is just a bad thing. <laughs> so that it is hard because like you're, you're going to be talking to this HVAC contractor. He's been doing it for 40, 50 years. You know, he knows what he's talking about. And he's saying like, get a Merv one, <laughs> you know, like it's like, I mean, you can like see through it and it looks like, you know, it looks like nothing. Um, and th that's a hard thing. Cause then you got to push back and say, no, that's not what I want. You know, um, you know, we, we want the HVAC to actually be, you know, filtering the air and, you know, working good long term. But just like if you've got mold in your HVAC, it's not going to work well. Um, and it's not practical to spend $20,000 every few years to remediate. Um, so, yeah, it's, there's, there's some hard things to overcome there for sure. Yeah, let's dive into your uh, actual furnace filters. And since we're on the topic, I was going to do it later. But um, you made furnace filters that had a higher MERV. Um, like 11, 13, I believe. But then they also have a carbon block on there, which I thought was super interesting. I'm going to, I haven't used them yet. When I run mm -hmm. out of the ones that I have, I'm going to try those out. Why did you um, add a carbon block on there? Because uh, we kept telling people to go get them and they couldn't find them. <laughs> That's the only reason. <laughs> um, so basically people were asking us, you know, what they should do with their furnace filters. And we're saying, well, you know, you want to figure out what's a good rating for your system, you know, somewhere in the MERV 10 to 14 range. And then we recommend carbon. So carbon being something that can absorb chemicals and odors. We have a lot of clients where their neighbor smokes, they're next to a farm, and there's lots of pesticides, they're downtown. Um, they have chemical issues inside the house, whatever it is. Um, a MERV 20 is not going to help with that. So combining the MERV particulate filter with carbon to us made sense. And with our commercial clients, it was very common. And so for our residential clients, we just kept on, well, just go to Home Depot and look for this and this. And they're like, we can't find it. Um, and so that's why we, we, we partnered with a company that makes them in the U.S. And they make a custom for us with a good MERV rating. So MERV 10 to 14 plus carbon. And But it, there was nothing real genius or innovative about it. It was just our clients couldn't find them. So we were like, okay, we'll, we'll figure it out. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, I get it because when you, uh, when we talked on the phone and you told me about the carbon block, um, mm -hmm. you know, because we were basically talking about your technology and the furnace filter, like those are probably the two of the most important avenues because your HVAC system's way more powerful yeah. than an air doctor or a molecule could ever be anyways. Yeah. Why don't we utilize that to like maximum capacity? But I had never seen a furnace filter with carbon blocks. So I, I don't think that they're just available like on Amazon or at Home Depot. Yeah. I mean, they're out there. I just talked to a client this week that they had, I think a 3M one, some kind of like odor specific filter and it, it had carbon in it, but it, it is a bit more rare. Um, and what we often say is there's nothing particular fancy about ours. The MERV system, like any mechanical filter rating system is standardized. And that's one of the problems with our industry is there's a lot of marketing fluff. And so you get things like super duper mega HEPA and it's like, that's just not the case. Um, it's like a standardized rating system. My son can't come home with an ultra B plus. You got a B plus, you got an A minus, you got a C. <laughs> um, and so like with the MER rain system, it's standardized. There's also like a Home Depot rating system, which is just silly, but you know, they, there's a few main rating systems that are standardized. And so we just found one that we, f we felt like it was in a good range 
and then you add carbon to it, which is just a fundamentally different technology. And with air quality, one thing that, you know, I just, we say a lot, but there's no silver bullets here. You know, this is the real world. There's a lot of complexities. We see them every week. We've been doing this for 15 years. I hear something new every week that we've never heard of before, <laughs> like a new question, a new challenge. And so like, this is the real world. And so with air quality, more redundancies are better. So, you know, whether or not you need carbon in your house, maybe not, but you know, more redundancies are better. And then, you know, just taking practical steps um, to try to mitigate these things. But to us, if the HVAC is working well, hopefully you don't have to have any plug-in units at all. Um, because like you said, a fan is going to move as much airflow basically as the diameter and the rotation speed. And there's other factors in there, but those are like the big ones really. Um, and so if you think about a plug-in air purifier, the fan's going to be this big, maybe this big, um, maybe it's got a blower, maybe it's got an axial fan, but it's not that big. And, but your HVAC system is designed to move air for multi-thousand square feet in a significantly stronger So let's make that into the air purifier. Not everyone has an HVAC system. Not everyone can work with it. But if you do, to us, that's the easiest, best way to, to purify the air. Hello, everyone. First of all, I'd love to thank you for tuning in to the Integrative Thoughts podcast. I am your host, Matt Kaufman. And through this platform, I plan on seeking out guests that interest me, that I am curious about, and overall just living a more meaningful, purposeful life in hopes that you as listeners and I myself can grasp onto a little bit of their knowledge and integrate that into our daily lives. Yeah, when we talked about that, it just it made total sense to me. I was like, yep, I'm definitely going to switch to the carbon. And I haven't um, hooked up the HVAC system to my house yet, so I don't have a personal experience. But I do have um, the four mold guards plugged in. I was going to return them, but then I was like, you know what? I'm going to keep them for travel, you know, cool. for when I'm flying or when I'm going to stay in Airbnb. I actually just went to the biohacking conference and plugged a couple of them in. And nice. it was only an hour drive for me, so I actually took one of my PEPAs as well because nice. I just was like being extra safe. But for flying, you're not going to take a filter, but you can take a few of these mold guards with you and mm-hmm. kind of place them around the room. And then over time, you're going to yep. like at least get some of them particles, um, yep. you know, out of the air. And we've had a lot of people use them on planes and swear by them. We're very cautious to make any claims related to that because you're taking a unit that's designed for a room and then you're putting it in, into a chamber with however many people are in your plane. Um, and if you look at what happens when someone sneezes on a plane, it just like recirculates over and over again you know, throughout the plane. So um, it's a very dynamic environment. Um, but we have a lot of people that have used them on planes as well and seem to like them. I think the did the some of the plane standards change once uh, COVID came through. I know they were like letting in more fresh air and stuff like that, but I didn't know if that was just for a short period of time or if they were going to keep that going. I didn't really pay attention to it. You know, we had some one of the largest airlines fill out the just like the normal contact form on our website, <laughs> They're, like trying to get for help, and then they ghosted us. And we've had private airlines try to put our products on planes, and it just gets so convoluted. We have we have kind of stayed clear of the airline industry um, because it's just it's it's kind of crazy. But some of them have, I think it's like fifty percent return with HEPA of some grade. Who knows what the HEPA grade is? Some of them added UV. Um, you know, there's issues with obviously at the airport 
versus in the air. Um, but it's not ideal. You also have things like dryness, you know, that it's going to affect you in, in different ways too. Um, but it's, it's not ideal. Yeah. <laughs> not ideal. Yeah. People don't realize how much, uh, a quick airplane ride can knock you out, especially mm-hmm. when you sure. have like already have some issues going on. Mm-hmm. You just fly home to see your family and you wonder why you're tired for three days, even though you didn't change, uh, time zones. Like you literally is so much inflammation, poor air, yeah. just something that you breathe then. Like you can get wrecked from a quick airplane ride if you're not proactive. Absolutely. Yep. But yeah, I mean like our idea is, you know, if you can help with the home, Hopefully you're more resilient for the plane ride, but we have a lot of people that, you know, you go to a hotel room and it just, you know, wrecks them. And it doesn't matter how expensive the hotel is either. I mean, you know, like a lot of people just kind of assume, you know, if it's really expensive, oh, it's going to be clean. But the highest VOCs we've ever measured is in a hotel room after cleaning. So... Yeah, that makes sense. And so let's get into your technology. I know we can get a little technical, but uh, it's cool. I want to I want to go there. And I kind of like this technology for a couple of reasons. Uh, one is that you kind of identify with like just mimicking nature and we'll get into that. And I feel like nature kind of already has its like built in mechanisms for not allowing like overgrowth of these pathogens and so that everything can kind of work in harmony as well. Or we would be super sick outside as well. Right. And that's where we lived for millennia. And so I just like kind of bringing that type of ideology indoors is pretty Mm -hmm. cool. And then I kind of, like I told you on the phone, like the other reason is that like, I like playing a little bit of offense instead of defense, you know, with these HEPAs, we're just kind of circulating everything, hoping that it's getting to everything. And then your uh, technology can kind of get to some of these really small particle sizes that can even float through a HEPA. So why don't we um, explain some of the different technologies within your devices? Sure. And again, there's no silver bullet technology. We use a lot of different technologies and combinations of technologies. Um, Our guiding principle is how can we replicate what's happening outdoors, inside, in the same kinds of natural concentrations. You know, ozone being, I think, a really good example. We don't recommend ozone for people with mold sensitivities for airborne purification um, because once you get enough concentration of ozone to purify the indoor air, uh, the people that we work with are reacting to the ozone. If you go on a, a mountain in Alaska or Yosemite National Park, you're going to be breathing ozone, but the concentration is really low. Um, in that same place, you're going to have ionization, positive ionization, negative ionization. That's what we're replicating inside. And that ionization is going to be very effective against killing and suppressing particulates and chemicals. Um, it's one of many processes outside. But that's one of the ones that we recommend specifically for mold. But you don't want to do things out of whack in indoors. That's, that's kind of one of our things. You could create too much negative ionization and it's going to create static. It's going to create black walls. It's going to lead to ozone creation. Um, so you don't want to go too much. That's our mentality. Um, with introducing anything into the environment, we just want to make it more naturally like the outside. And there's a lot of technologies and processes that can really uh, proactively change the environment. And that could be things like dehumidifying the air. If, if you have a high moisture content in the air, mold's going to want to grow there. So if you can reduce the humidity in the air inside, that's going to be a good thing. Sometimes you can't do that. Um, we work with um, one partner in Florida. All he does is drill into whole home dehumidifiers to install our technology because the whole home dehumidifier is growing mold. 
And so, you know, but yeah, all that to say. So we use a lot of different technologies, everything from germicidal UV light reacting with a metal catalyst. That's like a PCO type technology. We have our own, proto, our own proprietary catalyst. We use HEPA. We use carbon. We use, you know, we're, we're launching nanofiber window screens this week. So there's lots of things that we do. Um, to address air quality. But when it specifically comes to HVAC, the one we're recommending for homes is our polar ionization. So that's where you're splitting water into the positive hydrogen and the negative oxygen. So you're not just creating the negative, which is a natural. You're going to find both polarities outside. Um, there's a lot of, um, just as an aside, there's a lot of um, assumptions when it comes to ionization outside that I think are very simplified. We've gone out there to rivers, to oceans. We've, we've gone out there with like the best ionization meters that we can find to try to prove some of the things that have just been assumed. And some of them just are true. I mean, you're going to find negative and positive. Um, a lot of times you see people talking about just negative, but to us, the positive actually has its own um, modes of action that are unique to it. So it's, it has its own efficacy that's unique. And then when you're creating them in balance, you're not creating ozone. You're not creating like one side of the, the, the spectrum and building up um, static. And so, you know, ionization in the air purifier space almost always is alluding to negative oxygen ionization. Outside, there's all kinds of ionization taking place all throughout the atmosphere, you know, ground level, you know, higher up. Um, there's ionization throughout nature. Um, but in, in the air purifier space, when you hear an ionizer, it's almost always referring to just a negative oxygen ionizer. Um, so for, for our HVAC, we recommend the polar ionization, splits water vapor. It's able to kill mold on surfaces, kill mold in the air, help break down toxins like off-gassing VOCs, but then also cluster fragments. So with mold, with a lot of these things, they're really hard to picture because they're so small. But if you can imagine a mold spore being broken up, into pieces, those pieces are going to carry things like mycotoxins, like the liquid in, in the living organism that was growing. And if you're exposed to those fragments, your body can react just as strongly or more than with the living mold spore. And so you want to just, to us, we want to suppress so it's not growing in the first place. But then if there's spores already in the air, we want to break them down and then cluster them together. So we want to kill them, cluster them together, increase the efficacy of any physical filter, um, and make them uh, less, like they don't stay airborne as long, so they're heavier, um, so they don't stay airborne. You knock them out of the air, you're less likely to breathe them in when they're so small. So Interesting. So I, because I was in this train of thought I had, this was one of my questions is, with if the polar ionization is breaking down these particles, are they going to turn into like smaller particles that would potentially be easier to breathe in? But you're saying they actually cluster together yes. and then they would be easier for like a HEPA or something to pick up or easier for you to mop up. Or, any is physical, that how I'm hearing that? Exactly. So any physical filtration is going to be more effective, not just because they're larger, but because we also give them a charge, a positive or negative charge. So they're stickier in a way. Um, ah. So... Um, if you turn the HVAC unit that you have on in a chamber full of smoke, um, you know, visible smoke, you can't, you know, you can barely see through it. Um, that smoke will disappear in 30 seconds. It hasn't evaporated, but it's clustered together. So it's heavier and it falls out of the air. Um, obviously we wish we could just. <laughs> just laser them away or something like that. But um, they got to go somewhere. Ideally, it's not growing in the first place and it's not spreading. 
But then once it's in the air, you got to do something with it. And so we're going to increase the efficacy of any physical filter, any vacuum, any cleaning, but then also help them to stay airborne for a shorter period of time. So we want to get out of the air. So there's one study on a highly contaminated, I think it was a two-bedroom apartment in Australia, black mold on the walls. They didn't do any physical cleaning at all, and they had no physical filtration, and they sealed up the room for two weeks. And just with the polar ionization, it removed, I think, 96% plus of the airborne spores. We are never going to recommend doing that. <laughs> We're going to recommend <laughs> you do everything you can, physical cleaning, filtration, you know, check every box that's practical for you. But even without physical filtration, we're able to suppress, to stop the continued growth and spread, and to, to highly reduce the concentration of the contaminants. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, with that being said, I feel like anybody who's currently trapped in a moldy situation, who's either in a lease or hasn't like figured out how they're going to remediate or if they're going to move. Uh, entering a device like yours, especially through the HVAC system, and that's really a more powerful way, and adding that carbon block, it seems like you probably could reduce a lot of the mold particulates that you're breathing in while you're trying to yep. figure out what the next step is. Is that correct? Yep, yep. And with our technologies, you don't have to wait for the environment to be clean. So we get that question a lot. You know, we'd rather you install it sooner than later so that you have mitigation. Um, even if it reduced concentration by 50%, we'd rather that than you having the full, you know, um, exposure. So even if we can reduce your concentration in the midst of a bad scenario, we want to do that. And then you can work towards a more ideal scenario. A lot of people, you can't just move out to a new home, burn all your, your stuff to the ground and live in a perfect environment. You got to like mitigate where you're at. And, you know, sometimes the landlord's not going to cooperate. You know, the spouse doesn't care. You don't have enough money to do <laughs> big things. And so you got to mitigate. Um, and so, yeah, we, we've seen a lot of success with that. So you've seen actual like results and people reaching back out to you saying, hey, I've had reduction in symptoms and things like that by installing your uh, device, even though they're still living in mold. Yeah, we're, I mean, we're super careful not to say reduction in symptoms, like attributing it to us <laughs> just for a lot of reasons. But, um, right. but yeah, we, we, we get a lot of good feedback and we've been doing this for a long time mm -hmm. that's great i actually just had a buddy of mine uh use yours he was he was went overseas for a few months and was like oh i wasn't reacting to dairy my wife wasn't reacting to dairy we were good i came back and you know now i'm back to having like these respiratory issues and i'm like dude your house has to have mold like if you felt good when you were gone and then you came back, like, it's your house, it's your environment. And he's got, like, five air doctors. So he actually just bought your uh, HVAC device. I'm not sure if he's got it connected yet. But I was like, at least put this on and then mm -hmm. figure out if you're going to move or get a mold test or mm -hmm. whatever that may be. I think he ordered some adjacent test as well, or he's about to when he gets home or something like that because he's uh, down here in Florida right now. But um, I was like, you know, at least try to mitigate something reduce some symptoms if you can and then figure right. out if you're going to fix it or just leave the place or what are you going to do? Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's what we would recommend. And you know, you can do everything from, you know, get a $5 humidity sensor and hunt around for pockets of humidity. There's a lot that you can do on your own. You know, we've got well over 200 articles on our site on very niche scenarios and, and how to tackle it. Mold is going to be one of the most common things we see. It's not the only one, you know, 
I talked to someone yesterday, the day before, that it was clearly a chemical issue of an unknown origin. Could not figure it out. Spent like an hour together. We were talking through stuff. Could be neighbors, you know, smoking and intake vent on the basement. Um, it could be a pressurization of the home that's pulling air from the basement. Um, it could be some type of adhesive in the HVAC system. Unknown origin, but it, it's some kind of chemical in nature. So there's there's lots of things that could be going on. Mold is one of the most common ones we see that people are reacting to in the house. And then, of course, just normal allergens, you know, old carpet that people are walking on, things like that. Um, but, um, yeah, mold's, mold's a big one that we see these days. Yeah, I was about to ask, like, how common would you say mold is? I mean, I'm living in Florida, so it's like the first question I ask pretty much everybody. Yeah. But, like, even just in general population across the U.S., you see it to be pretty common. Yeah, so for someone that needs to prove that they have mold, we recommend got mold all the time. Yeah, like a... Uh, he met with us back before they were starting and, we, you know, I, I love his heart in it and, you know, he doesn't agree with us in a lot of our approaches, uh, but like we still are quick to recommend him in Florida. We don't recommend it because you have mold. Um, so if you had to prove it to a landlord, that's one thing, but in a place like Florida, it's basically a hundred percent guaranteed you have mold issues. Um, and so statistically, I think it's a hundred percent of homes have mold. I think that's the most accurate statistic, but it's how much you have. Just like if you test it outside, you're going to find mold. Um, and so, so a place like Florida, you're going to be almost guaranteed. Um, yeah, it's just like every time I just told this story, but I'll tell it again real quick. This lady was like seeing like three different functional practitioners and she reached out to me for like a combo session because I'm a combo practitioner and, you know, and that'll help with a lot of mold and neurological stuff depending on, you know, but not if you're, uh, depending on, you know, your circumstances, but not if your environment's full of mold. And I goes, why don't you just, I gave her the uh, name of this company that I use for my mold inspector. He's only like 350 bucks, comes out with the lights, you know, a couple mm -hmm. of air samples, things like that. And, um, That's good. so I mean, relatively cheap for him to do a thorough investigation mm -hmm. and do a few air samples like 350 is not bad no it's not and, it's um, very affordable uh mm -hmm. he she had mold everywhere she didn't ever call me back for combo you know i'm like you just live in florida and it's crazy to me that she has a functional neurologist a functional doctor a functional this and that she has four different practitioners and no one just told her that her house had mold mm -hmm. yeah and and it was unreal yeah you could spend a lot of money on HEPA in that scenario and it might help um, but you're going to be losing that battle eventually. And, yeah. you know, you could do a lot of other things in your life. But if you're reacting to your home and the mold is getting worse there, that's going to be a hard thing to overcome. Yeah. And, you know, Jason, I think, like, doesn't agree a little bit with, like, the killing of the uh, the mold and everything with the technologies like we're talking about today. Because he thinks that it's part of the environment and you need it as, like, a semi, like, hormetic stressor. But I kind of think, like, why not have your home as clean as possible? Because you're going to get enough hormetic stressors when you, as soon as you walk outside. You yeah, got it, dust particles. You have all kinds of other things. You're walking in Walmart and Whole Foods and there's chemicals. Like, I think we get enough hormetic stressors that if the house is as clean as possible, you kind of have a little safe haven to go home from and detoxify all that crap. We love our customers that are concerned about making their environment too clean because uh, they're worried about those things because I know they're thinking along the right lines. But right now, the balance is so skewed that in the future with, you know, efficiency of technologies and all this kind of stuff, 10, 20, 100 years, that may be something that we have to be more intentional with 
But right now, the indoor environments to us are so much worse than the outdoor environment, which has its own contaminants. Um, you go outside, you're going to be breathing mold and pollen and particulates, um, especially depending on where you live. But the indoor environment is significantly, statistically, provably, dramatically worse in most cases. So yeah. l- l- let's not even try to shoot for that super clean bubble. Let's like at least bring it down closer to what you would naturally be exposed to outside. Um, so, you know, th- that would be our, our take is, you know, we see people where it's like, wow, your home was basically designed for bad air. This is like, you're just checking the boxes. Wow. Like this is just, that's, oh, that's really bad. That's bad too. That's bad too. That's bad. And it's like this, this home was designed for poor air. And now what do we do? Um, so you got to do something. I mean, that, that, that's our, our take, you know, and, and a lot of times trying to spend $10,000 on HEPA, which is just acting like a vacuum for your air is not going to achieve the goals and you may not even be to afford it. And like, you know, one of the things I say a lot is, you know, like, especially with that, the fan diameter conversation, if you think about a ceiling fan, we have big fans in general, <laughs> ceiling fans, um, they might move 4,000 to 10,000 CFM of air, so cubic feet per minute. Uh, a five six thousand dollar HEPA is maybe moving 400, 500, 600 CFM. Um, and if you look at the airflow around a ceiling fan, like a fluid dynamics, not all of the air is going through that ceiling fan. So it's not even sucking all the air up in a, in an orderly queue and pushing it through the ceiling fan. It's like stirring the air. It's moving the air. So for HEPA, air is a lot like water. You know, air is going to want to go to the path of least resistance. You have to force it through that filter. You have to have a powerful fan to do that. And so, you know, even in the more ideal scenario, you've got a big, powerful HEPA in that room. Not all of the mold's going to go through it. And even if it did, you've only trapped it now. You haven't killed it. Continue to grow potentially in the mold. I mean, sorry, in the filter, the mold can grow in there. And then it could still be in the master bathroom. It could be growing on the surface in the master um, and continue to spread. So, like, to us, we think natural mitigation. And, again, to, like, Jason's point, like, we don't want to just use something like UV in the HVAC that's just killing the mold and then fragmenting it downstream. And then there's no physical filtration after the UV. You know, that's probably maybe not a net benefit. Um, but we want to suppress where it's growing. So it's not producing in the first place, not sterilizing the environment, but reducing the concentration and then clustering the particles. So they're less likely to be breathed in and they're easy to trap. Yeah. Yeah. That cluster part is the game changer for me. I didn't realize that, um, your technology was doing that. And that makes a lot of sense to me as far as like being easier to clean, easier to uh, be trapped inside of whatever device you have, or even if it's just like the carbon filter on the furnace filter, like whatever it is you're using to mitigate um, that clustering effect. I didn't realize that was happening and that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. It's a test I was thinking really like maybe they would break these things into smaller particles and then obviously that would make it yep. even easier to inhale them and that would be a negative effect. So that was something that I wanted to dive into. So I'm yep. really glad that we touched on that. So the ideal to us is you've got a furnace filter, you've got the polar ionization installed before you have mold issues, you dehumidify, deal with leaks, you deal with like all the other scenarios. Um, and we can get into a lot of other things that's going on in the air, but then you're suppressing mold before it becomes a problem and you don't have a huge load of contaminants in the first place. 
But if you're symptomatic and if there's already mold there, we're going to highly recommend an H13 HEPA for the bedroom combined with our technologies so that you're suppressing, filtering, and then in the bedroom, you're filtering again to increase the speed of removal. You know, of course, you might not be able to afford both. Um, but if we could snap our fingers and you could have it, absolutely, that would increase the speed of removal to have that in the bedroom. But to us, if we can stop it from being an issue in the first place, be more proactive before it becomes a problem, before you have a bunch of mold on your coils or in your ducts or something like that, that's going to be a net benefit long term. Yeah, I totally agree. And so let's uh, break down, like, you have multiple different devices that people can get. We've kind of touched on some of them. You have the mold guard. You have the uh, air angel. I think the one I couldn't really find on the website, it's supposed to be, like, your standalone that would kind of look like an air doctor or something. But I don't know if you guys have been out of those. But I think uh, you were talking about it with Matt Blackburn on his podcast. It seems like uh, it's like a standalone one that's a little bit more powerful than the plugins. And then you have the HVAC system as well. So, um, but all of them have a little, they have similar technologies, but different. So you want to break those down and what they're each like uh, utilized for? Yep. And uh, so like, first off, reach out to us and we'll give you specific recommendations. Um, our product line is changing a lot. And we're, right now we're working on somewhere around 30 patents, trying to innovate, continue to provide not just plug-in solutions, not even just air purifier solutions, but, you know, synergistic solutions that are realistic for the, uh, the indoor environment. Um, I love Matt Blackburn. Um, I'm actually going down to, to his place and we're going to do an, um, a uh, podcast, I think next week. The one that you probably heard is probably three or four years old. Yeah, it's an older one. <laughs> so, so yeah, uh, so the products we had there, you know, we're out of stock. Uh, we sold out a ton of our inventory during the whole kind of COVID craziness, you know, during the oh, year yeah. and the year after. And we, we simplified our line. So right now we don't have a plug-in unit that has HEPA other than the mold guard has an optional HEPA. Um, so we've kind of moved towards smaller multiple units in a house versus having centralized larger units. Because what we were finding is that, you know, someone might buy a unit that was designed for a thousand square feet, but it was a two bedroom apartment that was a thousand square feet. And it wasn't realistic for that unit in the living room to deal with the master, the bathrooms and whatnot. So mm -hmm. we kind of fragmented the plug-in units. So they're smaller units, mold guard and air angel to cover any room. So every room has a unit or you have a central system in your HVAC that covers all the rooms that it covers. And so, you know, we have various products now. We're bringing out more. Um, we have a lot of ones that we'll probably be launching later this year too. So, you know, whoever's listening to this, just reach out to us. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll provide specific recommendations. We'll jump on the phone with you. We'll email with you. You can tell us, you know, what specifically is going on. Um, and then we'll have, you know, specific units that are designed for that. But yeah, essentially our mentality is if you can't do the HVAC for a lot of reasons, you need at least to cover the bedroom. So start in the master or start in your kid's room, you know, start in the bedrooms to try to create a safe space there and then kind of work out. But you're going to need different units for each room. Even though if you bake cookies in the kitchen, you might smell it a bit in the master. The air is going to be different. It's going to be mixing. It's like going to have clouds, you know, of contaminants. It's not going to be evenly distributed. When I was first getting into like real deep in these air quality conversations, I pictured a glass of water that had like a color drop on it and it spread evenly throughout it. And that's not the case. You know, you have clusters of humidity, you can have clusters of contaminants. Um, you can walk around the carpet and you're kicking up stuff right there. And so the air does mix, but it's, 
not going to be even throughout the house. And so, so with our current line, if you have plug-in units, you're going to put one in each bedroom, in like the kitchen, in the bathrooms, and that's going to give you a better coverage than having bigger central systems um, in like one or two rooms. And of course, you have the practicalities of it. So we have a lot of clients that they might use a, a unit in their in their bedroom, move it to the kitchen, take it in their car, take it to the office, and move it back. Um, that helps mitigate the air where you currently are. It's not as ideal because things like mold, things like off-gassing, you know, VOCs, all kinds of things could be taking place while you're not in the room. And then now you're coming back into the room and it's been contaminated while you're gone. You know, like maybe a good example would be a, uh, a open trash can that's releasing odors. As soon as you remove the air purifier away, those odors are still coming out. And so it's going to build up. And that's the same thing with like, you know, you just had new flooring put in and there's adhesives under the floor and those adhesives might off gas for years. And so like if you took a unit out and now that off gassing is starting to build up again. And so the ideal scenario is that you're constantly suppressing that in each room. But the practicalities of it is you could move it around. You know, you could move units around um, to the different spaces. Um, so, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I actually heard someone um, discuss this on another podcast and I actually started to pay attention is the one in my bathroom. I put it in there because people don't realize how nasty like flushing the toilet with bacteria yeah. and everything like people don't realize like if you see a video of that, it'll change your life. Like flushing the toilet like circulates so much like bacteria and waste that it like it gets airborne. It's actually disgusting. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and so I have a plug in in there, one of the mold gardens. Mm -hmm. And, um, but what I didn't notice is that my, um, bathroom mirror doesn't fog up anymore. So what is like your technology doing and like to the relative humidity or, uh, what's going on with that? It's a good question. I've, I've not heard that before, to be honest. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was brought up in another podcast. No, uh, not the fogging of a mirror. I mean, we do uh, reduce static. Um, and so we have, we have some people experience things like that in the bathroom, like less static. Uh, I've not heard about the fogging of the mirror. I mean, it is increasing ventilation. Um, there's no net reduction of humidity from our units. Um, but you may just be more intentional with ventilation at the same time. Um, yeah. But yeah, we'll have to think about that. Because it's like it's literally right next to my uh -huh. mirror, the plug. And so I notice I'm like, when I get out of the shower, I'm like, well, well the, the, the mirror's almost never fogged up. Um, well, I mean, so ever since I inter introduced that. So I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. And one thing that um, we do stress with ventilation. And, yeah. and humidity is it's not so much the presence of humidity in the air, but it's when it's the higher humidity, surfaces are staying damp longer. And so if you have just ventilation, just like a ceiling fan, that's going to help dry out surfaces and move that humidity around, spread it out. So just ventilation, just blowing air on it can help. And so that might be somewhat your experience is just mm -hmm. more ventilation, more blowing air on that mirror. You're spreading out the humidity so that surface isn't staying damp as long. Because, um, like, that's one of the benefits, just a pure ventilation, not even with our technology, but that you're just spreading the humidity so that that surface doesn't stay damp and contribute to a nice environment for mold. Yeah, and uh, that's a common thing with mold since we're on the topic is a lot of people's um, – bathroom ventilation will just blow the humidity into the attic right absolutely so you should really check on if your bathroom um, fan is actually ducked out 
outside or not because if it's just going to blow into your attic you're probably doing more harm than good by turning that thing on it's very common um and so that's another thing to look at we we've had i've I've talked to people with the fan goes up and into the wall it doesn't even go into the attic it's like (laughs) what do you guys think you're doing with this like i mean you're just pumping the humidity into the wall pumping the, the mold into the wall um so i mean that's a structural issue you may or may not have the finances to fix that structural issue. It would be a good thing to do. Um, if you can't, we, we would suggest mitigating it. So you want to suppress the mold growth. Um, so you're not just pumping humidity and living mold into that wall. Um, but yeah, looking at your bathroom exhaust fans and exhaust in general is something we're, we're big advocates of because one of the things when it comes to air quality, you know, you've got source control. So like the things you're putting into the environment, you've got exhausting contaminants. So like if you can think about, um, you know, you're, you're cooking and you've got an exhaust vent, hopefully you want to pull those contaminants and push them out. And then the rest is basically mitigating. So you got to deal with it. But if you can exhaust contaminants, that's one of the first things we recommend. So with like a bathroom you're not exactly exhausting contaminants, but you kind of are at the same time. But you want to exhaust that humidity. And if that exhaust is not working properly, you will run into problems. Yeah, yeah I've been very grateful that this newer house that we're in right now, even though we rent, um, they have a big hood over the kitchen. It could be somebody who was a little – the way they redid all the ducking and uh, redid all the wood and the roof and the way they did some things makes me think like potentially maybe not this house but another place they had had dealt with some of these issues because yeah. they have a giant hood over the yeah. over the stove for me to duck everything out. The um, bathroom is ventilated super perfect. The fan yeah. works really well on both bathrooms. So they did some things uh, really, really right with um with this new with the when they reconstructed this house and i believe that it's probably a little bit of an awakening in florida like if florida is so common one lawsuit or anything like that then some of these builders or people who are landlords they start to take a little bit of notice because they'd rather just pay for it on the front end instead of getting some thirty thousand dollar lawsuit absolutely and and there is that mentality because there have been some lawsuits one um you know when it comes to mold but our hope is that in the future, the building sciences will really include air quality as really one of the primary considerations when you're designing a building, when you're you know, choosing equipment. I mean, we, we have an article specifically on, on you know, the, the vents above the stove and is yours sufficient for the load? And I just talked to a client this week that their, bath, their, their kitchen has no vent. There's none. Um, so sometimes you have a microwave over the, the stove and it's not actually venting outside. It's just pumping it up and then pushing it back at you. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so it's uh, maybe trapping some of the grease, for instance, maybe doing a little bit, but it's not actually exhausting it out of the house. And so if you could have an exhaust, that would be better. Like if the, the building was designed like yours, that's better. Um, otherwise, you have to mitigate where you're at. But we're hoping and we're working on some things that would contribute to better building designs in the future. And then you have less of these issues to mitigate. You know, the, the building was designed with powerful systems to do it right in the first place. Um, but a lot of times, you know, newer construction or older construction is not designed. So it's not necessarily if you have a new home or an old home, there's old homes that have really good, you know, structure and bones and um, it's not a problem. And then there's new homes that 
have a ton of chemicals, a ton of pressurization issues, a ton of, you know, just poorly designed systems that are going to have mold and other problems. Um, but yeah, we're, we're hoping that buildings will design better in the future. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got into that a little bit with Jason. He was like, you know, we, we build compostable houses, just add water, you know, that was like his like little slogan. And we talked a little bit about how the Amish build things and just, mm-hmm. just different material, different breathability. And, you know, yeah. it's, it, the way we used to do homes probably would seem a little like medieval or archaic, but there was a little bit of a good natural science to it because yep. we had lived with all of this water and pressure and everything our entire mm-hmm. life. So we should kind of resort back to a little bit yep. of that historical evidence as far as yep. how we used to build buildings, how they used to breathe better, you know, because we're introducing so much moisture. People don't even realize like which just when you take a shower, or when you're cooking, mm-hmm. you don't realize how much more you're drier. That's another issue. Some people's dryer will just vent right into the house it doesn't yeah, vent outside that's another, either that's another good one um but yeah i'll tell you a quick story i mean when we talk about new construction we've worked with skyscrapers in dubai and these are big fancy new things <laughs> and um, one in particular that i i remember was they had a crew of people that all they did was clean a stairwell of black mold so they cleaned the black mold up one stairwell and then they went to the stairwell on the other side of the building and cleaned down and by the time they got done, they had to go back to the other stairwell and start cleaning again. <laughs> and that was their full-time job, this crew. And so they were, this is a new construction, but the way that the building was pressurized, the moisture from the, the gulf there and everything was interacting, and it was just penetrating the walls, and it was just creating a perfect environment for mold. And so the building itself was just set up to fail, and then there was nothing to mitigate it. So it's completely unrealistic to use HEPA in that scenario. I mean, you're going to spend what, (laughs) you know, $50,000 a year on HEPA for your stairwells. Um, and it's still in the walls. Um, so it's like you either change the structure or you have to mitigate. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And I know you had some cool, like future plans. Do you want to tell us a little bit about like the future of the technology or anything that's unique that you're working on? I know we kind of discussed like ice machines and different things like that, but I know you work even in like the wine industry, the cheese industry. What's some unique uh, ways that you're working with this technology? Yeah. And so some things I have to be a little cautious on because we're, (laughs) we're like, you know, still in like the pre-patent phase of some things, but, um, the newest thing, you know, I, I think I mentioned it briefly, but we're, we're looking a lot at windows. So we have a lot of clients that open their windows for a lot of good reasons. Um, sometimes it's just to cool their house. Sometimes it's fresh, fresh air. Um, but for a lot of reasons that air outside might be partially contaminated or sometimes more contaminated than the indoor air. And so we have, window mounted filters next week we're we're launching nanofiber window screens you know screens that the pores the holes are so small you can't see them with your eye it just looks like a solid sheet um but it can actually help trap spores allergens pm 2.5 on the outside so you're bringing in the fresh air you're keeping the bad stuff out um so we're, we're working a lot with windows because a lot of our clients that is the only source of cooling for their house and their neighbor smokes a pack of cigarettes a day or whatever it is. And, or they live downtown. And so every time they open the windows, they're getting dust. They're getting, 
you know, particulates from diesel exhaust, you know, they're getting all this kind of stuff. So how do we filter that incoming air? That's one of the things we're working on and providing more solutions for that. Um, we've got our cleaning product. I don't know if you tried that or if, if we got you something to try, but um, source control is a big one. So you can remove the VOCs from your air, but if you can use different paints, if you can use different cleaning products, you're not going to have them in the first place. And so we did launch one of our other investments is a industrial water treatment, like big scale, five large waste treatment facilities in the U.S., um, patented uh, copper iodine-based formula, zero VOCs, totally non-toxic. Um, we spray it with giant cannons over residential areas, but um, Hypeware launched a residential version of it where you can spray it on surfaces, all natural, all-purpose cleaner. We're going to be doing a lot with that this year where it's you can purify the air from VOCs, but let's try to reduce the sources. And so it's going to be another tool that people can have. It's called Total Clean um, to remove, um, you know, clean appliances, to clean carpet, leather, mirrors, um, to spray in the air. We hope to take on some of the big name, you know, companies that spray synthetic chemicals in the air. Um, so you're adding, so in that case, you're adding synthetic, you know, fresh rain smell to the air you're not actually removing chemicals or odors. So like with this product, you actually remove the odors and you're not adding any chemicals. So, you know, things like that are not necessarily air purifiers, but they contribute to a pure indoor air. And so we, we do have things along those lines. And then we're also trying to innovate, you know, all of our core products, um, take them to the next generation and provide more and more modifications to existing homes and existing equipment that you already have. How can we make those function better for air quality? and give more solutions, you know, for the problems that we see in our clients where it's, this is not the ideal scenario, but we got to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Is the uh, cleaning supplies already on your website? Yeah. Total cleans on there. Yep. It's been on there oh, for cool. months. I'm going to definitely try it out whenever yeah, we got great feedback. Um, we love the biohacking community because they, they are willing to take the time to read while it, why it looks and smells like water. Whereas for the most, a lot of people, they want their clean products to, to be like blue, <laughs> you know, like, uh, and to smell like, you know, sunshine or something like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, this one, it actually like looks and smells like water. Um, and so, uh, for like the biohacking community or people that care about this, that's actually a benefit. Um, but when you actually use it, you can see it's performance. <laughs> I mean, we actually use it in like garbage trucks. I mean, it's, it's like for heavy duty stuff. Um, wow. but it's a totally zero VOC non-toxic. That's amazing. Actually, uh, one, I want to, dive on one quick topic before we jump off of here because we've kind of been mostly talking about overall air quality in mold but this polar ionization and your apco technology actually is good for bacteria viruses other things besides mold do you want to just uh, touch on that real quick before we jump off uh, sure so i mean um all those things you mentioned are naturally mitigated outside so it's the same thing indoors um you know, with the kind of the COVID craziest, um, the mold guards you have, to our knowledge, was one of the first, if not the first air purifier in the world tested to disable the SARS-CoV-2 coronavirus. Wow. So we we had it at the time, that was summer 2020, we had it tested as a disinfectant. So we had it tested as if you were spraying a chemical on the, on the virus. And so it's interacting with a virus outside of the air purifier to break down, in that case, the protein spikes, so it's no longer infectious. Um, a virus is not living. 
And I cannot tell you what that means. I've never understood it. But, you know, viruses. Are <laughs> I have a tough time things. understanding the virus thing too, brother. I don't get it. But whatever. Um, so with, with our technology, we want to naturally neutralize it so it's no longer infectious. But it's the same thing with a bacteria. So we've done a lot of studies over the years, um, primarily when it relates to commercial applications, like some of the ones we mentioned, you know, you're, you're preparing food, you're packing food, you're in a hospital, you know, it's a dental clinic, you know, it's like you want to reduce the load of bacteria and viruses in the air. Same with things like yeast. Um, and when it comes to, I think you mentioned cheese, but like, you know, one study, it was a cheddar cheese factory and they've got something like $750,000 worth of cheddar in a room aging. Um, you want to stop the spoilage microorganisms from spreading. You know, you don't want them to go in, you know, from one to another and spreading. Same thing like what we think with mold at home. We don't want it spreading and continuing to grow. Um, so, yeah, all those things. And then VOCs, um, allergens, aeroallergens, um, you know, particulates. Um, we've thrown around the term PM 2.5 a few times here. And just to kind of put that in perspective, like a human hair is around 50 to 100 microns in diameter. PM 2.5 is 2.5 microns. And a lot of things we talk about are much, much smaller than that. You know, 0.0007 microns kind of thing. Um, so very, very, very small. Very hard to wrap your head around. Um, one of the things I would mention on HEPA, and you can reach out to us for more info on this, but HEPA is a standardized rating system. And there is some, I think, intentional confusion in that space that HEPA is designed and rated on its efficacy when it comes to the most penetrating particle size, MPPS, 0.3 microns. Um, HEPA is actually more effective at smaller particles and larger particles than that. Um, that specific diameter is the hardest for something like a mechanical filter, which is like a chain link fence. So it's like a, things that are trapped in the fence, it's successful with things that penetrate it, it's not. But the MPPS is what HEPA is rated for. Um, some companies kind of change the terms that they're talking about and say, well, Ours is significantly more effective against the HEPA standard, but the HEPA standard is designed to basically to to, um, to filter out the most uh, difficult particle size. And so you want to look at the HEPA grade and not some of the marketing fluff around it. Um, but yeah, the particle size is tough because, you know, some of these things get extremely, extremely small um, and they're hard to wrap your heads around. Mm -hmm. But the smaller it is, in general, the longer it's going to stay airborne and the more penetrated it is. Yeah, and uh, you have a pretty good uh, picture on your website, too. I mean, the, the information on your website is absolutely fantastic. Between yours and um, the Got Mold website, like, there's a free guide on there mm -hmm. about, like, kind of helping you inspect your homes. And then all of the, like, scientific data that you have on your website is just, I mean, between those two, you, people should really be able to get a good grasp on these things. And then both of you guys are willing to like talk to people as well, which I think is really cool. Most people yeah. with companies aren't like, Hey, just call me and I'll mm -hmm. like tell you what to get for your house. So that's absolutely amazing. Yeah. But you have a, a diagram on the website where it shows like these particle mm -hmm. sizes, sure. like a mm -hmm. grain of salt, you yeah, know, right, right, sand, right. Mm -hmm. and you can really see like how small right. some of these particles can get. And right. you would really start to like maybe wrap your head around like how like small that really right. is. And then how can we really get to something that's small, even with like a filtration system? It'd right. be yeah. pretty challenging. Absolutely. And yeah, it's actually funny. I was talking to a, a guy that helps us with marketing yesterday and he was asking about like what keywords and stuff we're using in all these articles. And it's like, 
uh, we're not. We're just writing articles <laughs> that, are, that we think are, are are helpful, and you know they're addressing topics and they're they're things that we're researching and we want to share. But yeah, we have we've got like two hundred plus articles, and they're literally just that. It's not just like some like marketing angle to mess with algorithms. It's literally just topics that we know our clients care about and we've tried to research and provide resources for. So you're you're welcome to reach out to us. We'll try to help you navigate that. <laughs> Try to help you answer questions and uh, give you some frank options um, on things that you could do. Yeah, that's super funny. Like, well, I'll say one thing about the marketing is like, I've tried to like wrap my head around marketing, and it like to me a lot of times like jumping on some trending reel or like doing certain things like feels real gimmicky to me. And I've noticed that like I've gathered, even though I don't have a huge following, like my following is like kind of like quality over quantity at this point, and like. You know, like, I feel like it's just because I'm more authentic with like, I don't use a song on my reel that's like trending. I just use a song that I like, or sure. I just use uh-huh. like, I just like uh-huh. put my life out there, like how I like foresee it, not like jumping on some trend, like do this, this and this mm-hmm. to gather audience. I'm like, ah, you know what? This way might be slower or whatever, right. but I like the like organic feel mm-hmm. of it. Like just put out good information mm-hmm. and then the people will come to you who need, who feel like coming to you. And right. I don't know. I think some of the best people don't really give into the gimmicks as far as like the podcast space or like the health and mm-hmm. health and wellness space. Like they just kind of like show and portray their life like as is. And then yeah. like over time, if you're just consistent, you'll, you'll gather a following if that's what yeah. you're looking for. Or I just enjoy doing these conversations. So I don't even really care about the following. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, if we can help one person with this conversation, that's great to us. And I mean, we would sell more products if we just went with the mainstream of what people think that they want. Yeah. yeah it's corny though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. To me, it's like, I don't know, the more genuine and the more real that I like feel that these companies are when I'm like on their website, like you can look at your website and talk to you and realize that you're just in the general business of like helping people out. And, you know, and that's kind of where I'm coming from because I was so sick, you know, that I just feel like I don't care about the money or the following. Like, does this help somebody who's living in a moldy house right now? Then that's amazing. You know, like to me, like if I get a mess, when I get messages like that, like listen to your podcast with blah, blah, blah. And I did this and it really helped me. Like that's like fulfills me. That's good enough for me. That's great. That's great, man. And, you know, people, I think most people are smart enough to see that. Yeah, I think so. So that's, I think that's why like my followers are more like quality over quantity, like some pretty dope people in the health space follow me and I'm cool with that. And I don't, we chat here and there and my podcast is always booked and I have no issues like booking people because of like, it's authentic, you know? Yeah. That's great, man. That's great. cool. All right. Why don't you tell everybody, uh, the name of the website, how to find you on social media, anything you want to plug at the end here? Uh, we're bad at social media. You can find us on Instagram. <laughs> but, uh, hypoair.com, H-Y-P-O-A-I-R.com. Um, go there. And if you go to hypoair.com slash consult, um, you can schedule a call. I'd be happy to talk to you. Um, cool. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And I'm going to, I got to figure out who I'm going to have hook up this HVAC system here in the near future. And then I'll definitely give you some feedback on how I feel once the, uh, whole thing, whole house systems installed. Yep. And we do have, uh, you know, for anyone also wondering the same thing, <laughs> we have a partnership with a virtual electrician. He would walk you through it if you wanted to do it yourself. Um, we do recommend a licensed electrician installs it just because we don't want you to shock yourself. But, um, the, the, the virtual electrician, he's a master electrician. 
And um, he kind of built his company during COVID to help people that they didn't want people coming to their house. So it's actually working really well. But otherwise, any type of handyman, smart home installer, electrician can do it. Um, we don't recommend HVAC contractors simply because they charge too much money. You can find awesome ones. And if you have a good relationship, they are more than qualified. We actually used to sell the device essentially exclusively through the HVAC world for probably five, six years. Um, but they're charging upwards of like $2,500 a piece for it. And we charge, you know, $900. Um, and so we kind of moved away from the HVAC world. But yeah, the unit magnetically attaches to the blower. So there's no cutting or screwing or special tools. It just needs power. So it's no more difficult than installing like a light switch or a thermostat or something like that, but it does need power. Um, and then once it's in, there's no replacement parts. So yeah, happy to walk anyone through that with questions. Yeah. So if I like call my handyman over, I, I'm not sure if he's even a certified electrician, but he does a lot of electrical for me. So he's either really good at it or he is certified. One of the two. Um, should I just like have him like have a virtual call with uh, your virtual electrician set up when I have him come over? I think that's an option. I don't want to say we recommend using someone that's not certified, but he no. might be certified. He I've never be, asked yes. him. Yeah. But like, I'm sure he is more than capable of installing it. I have, I've personally spoken to clients, just chatted with them while their handyman installed it. Someone that never seen it before in about five minutes. So, well, well, this guy, he, he, he very well may be certified. It was my, my last landlord used them. And then I just stole their personal oh, number sure, and now, yeah. and now I just keep using them. So I, if my last landlord was using them, he probably has got some certifications or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone like that. I mean, it's, it's just like a couple wires and then literally there's no cutting, there's no tools. You put it on with your hand, you know? So yeah, he's redone some electrical for me to like install like my ozone device to my washer. I mean, he's done some electrical stuff for me. I just have never asked because my old landlord used and trusted him. So I just figured he was whatever, but yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. he's just kind of cheap and comes over when I text him. Totally. <laughs> so probably, whatever. Probably a good fit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he'll be good. Uh -huh. All right. Cool, man. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. Um, as you maybe drop some of these newer devices or products over the years, we'll have to have you back on and uh, we'll help you spread the word about them. Sounds good, man. I appreciate your cool. time. Good questions. Yeah. Thanks, brother. If you enjoy this show, would you please take a second to subscribe, rate, and review it for me? Also, if you'd like to know more information about Combo, personalized one-on-one -on -one coaching with me, or for upcoming retreat information, which I host with my wife, please visit my website in the show notes or DM me on Instagram. My handle over there is at Integrative Matt. Until next time, my friends.